And if you have a need in your life, I want you to know God can fulfill that need. All things are possible with him. And without him, he said, "There's without me, you can do nothing. But with me, all things are possible. Maybe you've been trying it by yourself and it's not been possible. I want to tell you, just involve Jesus right now. Hallelujah. Combine your faith, hallelujah, with your trust in the word of God and begin to call on the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise all across the building. Jesus' name and Jesus' name. Amen. It is incredible to be in the house of the Lord. I want to say to all of our young people, all of our kids, we are so glad to have you. Let's give them a hand. At last count, Brother Rodriguez said we, we brought in over 45 kids. Amen. To the house of the Lord. Praise God for that. And want to tell all the kids that I'm going to I'm going to preach to everybody in the house of the Lord but I'm going to I'm going to preach to the students. Amen. And that includes every single one of you but all the adults don't don't, don't leave me hanging. Amen. Uh, but I, I I have come today this is our prayer covering service. I'm going to preach to all of the kids and to all of the adults as well and preach what God has put in my heart. And then we're going to pray for all of the students that are returning to school. And then we've got backpacks for all of the kids with school supplies. And uh, we just wanted to, we do this every year. We want to bless all of the kids, all of the students before they go back. And also, it's a blessing to the parents to not have to buy backpacks or school supplies. And with inflation going through the roof, amen, we, we want to bless them. And so thank you to all those that contributed. Thank you to ARC for making it happen. Let's give the church a hand for that. As was mentioned, and I'll turn to the Word of God here in a minute, but uh, this week my wife uh, was granted U.S. citizenship. Hallelujah. She was born in Costa Rica, came here when she was four, and, you know, for anybody that's had to endure that process, it can, be, it can take decades, but God made it happen so fast and so rapid, so we thank God for that. Amen. I also want to say, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1 and beginning in verse number 1. We also want to say uh, it's good to see all of our other guests and visitors. Uh, I had the privilege of meeting Gabriel and Kaylin. They are here from Salt Lake City on their honeymoon. I want to tell you, you can tell people that love God because they're like, I love you, but I love the Lord a little more. So we're going to church. So God bless you. Hope you enjoy your time while you're here. Hopefully God will bless you in this service. Amen. Book of Daniel chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, in verse number 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasures, the treasure house of his God. So he took the treasures out of God's house and he put them into these false gods' house. And the king spake unto the master of his eunuchs that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish but well favored, and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding, science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed to them daily provisions of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, and at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel. Now these names, these next few names may not make a whole lot of sense, or you may not remember if you've ever read the Bible. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are their Babylonian names, but these are their Jewish names here. Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave these names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshar. 
and to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Now notice this next verse, and this is what I'm going to be preaching about. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Thereof he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel. Now, I want you to notice something. He was just given a new name to separate him from being part of the people of God. They just tried to redefine him. But Daniel. Daniel did not let them redefine him. I read a quote the other day from Billy Graham, and it says, Courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened as well. And I want to preach to everybody here today on this subject. Courage is contagious. Courage is contagious. Would you set down your Bibles? Would you lift up your hands as we pray all across this building? I believe that there's going to be some, some young people. I believe there's going to even be some adults and some parents. They're going to purpose in their heart. They're going to make it up in their mind that I'm going to be courageous. Amen. And that my courage is going to be contagious to somebody else. And I'm praying, God, that you'd anoint me to speak your word and anoint our hearts. And I pray, Lord, today that you would fill some young people with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And I pray, God, that you would speak a word prophetically to somebody, amen, as I preach this word in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. God bless you. you may be seated. Amen. Courage is contagious. The book of Daniel is one of the most intense prophetic books in the Old Testament. But it's also a book of history. It gives a personal eyewitness account of the Babylonian captivity of Israel. This is Daniel's viewpoint of what is happening while he is in captivity. In the first chapter... We are introduced to four Hebrew children or teenagers. We're not positive on whether or not they were children as far as four, five, six. We don't know if they were 17, 18 years old. All we know is that they were not yet adults. They were young people. These teenagers were taken as slaves into Babylon. Their names are Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Amen. Better known as Daniel and the three Hebrew boys. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was customary for the kings of that time, and Nebuchadnezzar just followed along the particular way that each of the countries would conquer all of the other foreign nations. This was their, this was their, their game plan. Destroy the cities. Steal all of the valuables and lead the people out of their nation into the nation that is conquering to take them all to be slaves. Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 1 made a very specific request, and I, I'm going to be preaching about this a little while here today. He requested the capture of the best and the brightest that Judah had to offer. Judah's future, the young people, the children, those perhaps anywhere from 5 to 18 years of age. That's every single person, amen, on this side, amen. And if you're a little bit older, we'll count you into that group, amen. Uh, and he said, capture them, take them. After all, the minds and the aspirations of children are much easier to mold than that of adults. Amen. If you want to control the world, you go after the young people. And this was the understanding that if I'm going to change this next generation that I'm bringing into captivity, I've got to start with the kids. And that has always been a tactic of the enemy. That has always been the tactic uh, of, of adversarial uh, people and nations to take the young people and to try to mold them into the way that they that they want them to be. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want to tell you, that is exactly what our world and our society is trying to do to our young people today. 
I want you to notice the criteria of Babylon. These were to be young people without blemish. They were to have a good appearance. They were to be skillful in all wisdom. They were to have knowledge, understanding, and they were supposed to be able to learn well. They had to be competent to stand in the king's palace. The king sought for the best and for the brightest. I want you to notice that there's two people in this story that purpose something in their heart. you got Daniel who purposed in his heart to not be defiled by the king. And you've got the king who purposed in his heart that he was going to convert and indoctrinate Daniel and all of the young people just like Daniel. That he was going to indoctrinate Daniel and all of his friends. Nebuchadnezzar had purpose in his heart that he was going to teach Daniel the language, the diet, and the ways of his world, of his religion, of his ways of thinking. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar took some of the furnishings of God's temple. This confiscation of these items and their deposit into the Babylonian temple was a dramatic declaration to all of those in captivity. Nebuchadnezzar was saying, my God is better than your God. By taking all of the instruments out of God's house and putting them into false idol temples for false worship, he was stating, your God is not as powerful as my God. This was done in an attempt to completely dehumanize, demoralize the captives so that they could be indoctrinated with the ways of Babylon. This was their first attempt at indoctrination. One way to destroy their faith was, was a tactic that's still used today, was to just make it part of all the other faiths. Hallelujah. I, I came to kind of teach a little bit, but I feel a little preach in my spirit already. Because, because that's how the adversary will work. He doesn't have to eradicate Christianity. He just wants to make Christianity no longer valid. Amen. He doesn't have to eradicate, amen, the, the truth of God's word. All he's got to do is stack it underneath a, a bunch of other religious texts. By doing this, by making their God just another God, they would lose all sense of spiritual identity. They didn't have to remove their God. They just had to bury him under the guise of tolerance and equality to all other gods and all other ideals. I want to tell you, a big buzzword in our, in, our gener, in our generation is that of tolerance and that of equality. But the truth is, there's nobody looking for equality and nobody's looking for tolerance. Uh, what they're trying to say is silence your beliefs, silence your religion, silence your worship, silence your prayer life, silence your Bible, silence your God. It's not about equality. It's not about tolerance. It's saying we want to have a loud voice and bury your voice. We want our ideals to be the great ideals. We want to push yours off to the side. They made another attempt at indoctrination when they tried to change their names. These names, if you know anything about Hebrew, inside of most Hebrew names, you'll find like Daniel is Dan-E-L, L being God. But by removing L, I'm going to remove the name of God out of your name. Now, you got to remember, every time you hear Daniel, he's being reminded that he belongs to the Lord. Amen. Every time he hears his name, it is a reminder that you don't belong in Babylon. You don't belong to the world. You don't belong to these ideologies. You belong to the Lord. And they try to take their names from them. By changing their names, it was an attempt to change their identity itself. They made another tactic of indoctrination. They tried to change their language. To teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. They didn't want, they didn't want them to talk the way that they were talking and using the language that they were using. They wanted them to speak like Babylonians. They wanted them to use the slang. They wanted them to use the language. They wanted them to, to know all of the different things. Let me break it down to the modern generation. They wanted you to know all of the TikTok virals. They wanted you to know all of the memes. They wanted you to know all of the slick sayings. They wanted you to speak in a way that you would, would not speak to your grandmother. They wanted you to talk about things that you know are not right. This was all part of the indoctrination. 
And then, finally, one of the last parts of indoctrination was to change their diet. To feed them the food of Babylon. To remove them from following their their religious dietary convictions. If I can stop you from living what you profess to believe, I will have accomplished my goal. I want to tell everybody here today that that is the devil's tactic in our generation. It was a given that the Babylonian government would provide for these young men and their training. Yet, having the same food and wine prepared for them that the king got was intended to be a special honor. Amen. This was a big difference between the peasants' food and the slaves' food. They were getting a higher honor. They were getting the king's food. At first glance, Nebuchadnezzar's act of appointing a daily portion of food to the Hebrew captives seems to be a positive development. Imagine what a blessing this would have been to the average Babylonian. I want you to think about this for a moment. They were, they were now getting fed. They didn't even have to work for their food. It was just being given to them. It was as if it was hooked in, and they were just being force-fed everything that Babylon wanted them to have. Here we would see that the Hebrew captives would not have to spend any time worrying about where their next meal would come from because the king himself would provide it for them. And it was not just any meal. It was the food that the king ate himself. These rich delicacies and the finest of wines enjoyed by this king would now be freely given to people that were taken as slaves. Herein lies the greatest deception of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar knew that the Jewish people had dietary restrictions. Nebuchadnezzar knew that they had convictions. Nebuchadnezzar knew that they were, they were, they were an obstinate people. They were stiff-necked. They were, as our world would call us, uh, amen, as Christians, narrow-minded. They only believe in one way. They don't believe in many ways. Uh, they believe that Jesus is the only way to salvation, and they, they're just too stiff-necked about it. And they were trying to ease their way into indoctrinating them. This is exactly what the devil is trying to do with all of our kids, what the devil is trying to do with all the adults, with every parent. First and foremost, Satan wants to separate you from God. I want to talk to everybody here today. He'll do anything he can to separate you from God. He'll try to get you to stop coming to church. He'll get you around people that will talk down about God and about the things of God. He wants to distance you from Jesus. He wants to distance you from the house of the Lord. I want to just preach to everybody, don't let the devil indoctrinate you. You know how you make the devil, you mess with the devil? You show up to church even when you don't feel like it. You come on Sunday, you come on Wednesday, you come praying on Tuesday, I'll open the door for you on Monday. You just show up and say, devil, you're not separating me from Jesus. You're not separating me from truth. You're not separating me from the church. You're not separating me. Somebody ought to give God some praise here today. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, the devil wants to separate you from your God. Every young person, listen to me. He wants you to be separated from the ideals of God. They'll start telling you stuff like, well, you, you know, I've actually heard this recently, that there were some kids that were in a, in a moment where their friends caught them, that they were, uh, they, they were make, there's a whole group making fun of a young person about going to church. And this young person turned on one of the young people in the group and says, you go to church with me. And they try to deny it. I'm talking about somebody from this church. I don't go to church because the crowd will try to get you to distance yourself from people that actually go to church. I want to tell you, don't ever be ashamed of who your God is. Don't. Our world is not ashamed of their insanity. They're not ashamed of the most weird, wacky things. I want to tell you, they're not ashamed to dress weird. They're not ashamed to talk all sorts of weird. They're not ashamed... Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed to go to church. I want to tell you, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of going to church. I remember I, I got saved when I was 13 years old. I, was, I, I came from a drug home. 
My parents were on drugs. We, uh, when we were homeless, my parents moved in with their drug dealer. Cops were at the house every single week. I started knowing some of the cops by their name. And when I got in church, depressed and suicidal, at 13 years old, I found what I was looking for. I found the God of all eternity. I remember the day when I was baptized in his name and I went down in the water. Amen. Don't tell me kids don't want this. Don't tell me young people don't want this. I want to tell you, you're looking at a perfect example of somebody that God can turn around. I want to tell every one of these young people, God can turn your life around. God can turn your family around. God who knows? In a couple years, some of y'all might be up here preaching. I want to just tell you, God can do it. He's done it before. He can do it again. But I went to high school, and I went off, and I remember I, I was new to my faith. I didn't know a whole lot. And I remember there was people that, that they, tried to, they tried to convince me that Christianity was weird. They tried to convince me that going to church was weird. They tried to, uh, I, even, even the football team, they tried to ostracize me and put me off to the side because I was the weird church-going guy. And I want to be honest with you, it wasn't always easy to stand up. It wasn't always easy to live my faith out. But I want to tell you, there's got to be something that gets in your spirit that says, I love God more than I love anybody else. Amen. They try, the devil will try to separate you from God. Don't let it happen. The devil will try to change your identity. They tried, the Nebuchadnezzar tried to change their name, change their identity. Amen. In reference to the world, I want to tell you, don't let the world change your identity. Don't let your friends change your identity. Don't let the school district change your identity. Don't even let the teacher change your identity. Can I just preach about this? I know this is not popular preaching, but if you were born a girl, you were born right. Don't let them tell you you're a boy. If you were born a boy, you were born right. God made you right. You're a boy. Stay a boy. It doesn't matter what celebrity on TikTok, what YouTube star, it don't matter what Mr. Beast or his friends tell you. I want to tell you, you were born a boy, stay a boy. You were born a girl, stay a girl. Don't let the world change your idea. Don't let them change your identity. God made you right. God made you well. Hallelujah. I want to preach that until it gets into everybody in this generation. Well, preacher, that's a little weird. Don't you know what our generation says? It doesn't matter what our generation says. We're going to stand on the Word of God, and we're going to stand for what is healthy for you. We're going to stand what's mentally healthy for you. We're going to stand what's spiritually healthy for you. I want to tell you, our world, and I, I know, I know. Well, pastor, we got, you got, we got visitors. You shouldn't be talking about this. You know what? If the church don't talk about it, who will? In fact, if, if, if we don't say something in the narrative, they'll control the narrative. Well, the church is a bunch, of, a bunch of bigots. No, we're not. Such were some of us. But the Bible says we are washed. We are cleansed. Uh, hey, you're looking at a bunch of people. You just got to look around the church a little while, and you'll see people that God has pulled them out, and God has told them the truth. Our world, our world, and I want to tell you, it is the spirit of the devil, is trying to change the identity of people at its very core level. I want to tell you, if you are a boy, you are a boy at a biological level. If you are a girl, you are a girl at a biological level. And they want to put chemicals in your body to try to stop you from producing into a full-grown man or a full-grown woman. And they want to tell you, you need surgeries and you need to change this. I want to tell you, all that is, is the world's, it's the world's way of trying to get you to be born again. You know what they're telling you? And they're not wrong about it. They're saying you were born wrong. There was something wrong with you when you were born. They're right. It's called sin. We were all born into sin. And their, their idea of getting you born again is surgery and hormone blockers. Their idea of getting you born again is let's change the way you dress, amen, to make you look different than the way you were born. I want to tell you, that's just the world trying to get you born again. But can I preach to everybody what the church says and what the Bible says? Jesus himself said, amen, marvel not. I say unto you, you must be born again. you got to be born of the water and of the spirit. you got to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you, if you feel like you were born wrong, I, I want to encourage you, get baptized in Jesus' name. If you feel like you were born wrong, you need to be born again in Jesus' name. You need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
Hey, I know it's a few years old, but Lady Gaga started saying, you were born this way. Well, if you were born a certain way, the Bible's got an answer for you. You must be born again. You... I was born with these deficiencies. I was born with this depression. Hey, I got news for you. I, I was born with depression too. But when I came to church and I lifted up my hands and Jesus filled me with his spirit, depression had to go. You just need to be born again the Bible way. You need to go through the water and through the spirit. So you feel the world trying to change your identity. You need to get your identity so locked in Jesus that the world can't change it. I want to tell you, my identity is not based on my bloodline. It's not based on my family. It's not based on how much money I do or don't have in my bank account. It's not based on how many degrees I don't have. I want to tell you where my identity is based in. It's based in Jesus Christ and his word. Amen. It's, it's by him alone. I want to just tell everybody, if you are insecure about your identity, I would encourage you to keep coming to church. I would encourage you to keep lifting your hands. I would encourage you to keep praying. I would encourage you to keep seeking God because that's where your identity is found. That's where your purpose is found. That's... The devil wants to not only change your identity, he wants to educate us in the ways of the world. All these things are what Nebuchadnezzar did. Educate in the ways of the world. Get you to think the way they think, talk the way they talk, do and use all the ideologies that they use. It, it is blowing my mind. Can I just talk to all the parents for a moment? Listen, listen. It used to be conspiracy theories that the school district was crazy. If you thought the school was crazy, you were just a conspiracy theorist. It's not a conspiracy anymore. Listen, the books that they're putting in the hands of kids. I was sent one the other day. It blew my mind. It is, I can't even say it over the pulpit, the stuff it was reading. It's stuff I wouldn't even hand to an adult. Well, praise God. And they're saying we need to get this in the hands of 10-year-olds. This isn't even like, oh, this is not even that one week of sex ed we all had in the seventh grade. No, this is, this is we need to start getting this in front of kids as soon as they're five, six, and seven. This is no longer we want to educate. This is now we want to indoctrinate. Hey, hallelujah. Let me just step over here for a moment and just talk to every parent. It is so important that you live for God. If you don't tell them, somebody else will. If you don't talk to them, somebody else will. You ought, to, you ought to affirm and confirm if they're a boy, you're a boy. There ain't nothing wrong with being a boy. God needs men. And when the world says man, man, manhood and ma, it's ma, toxic masculinity, you remind him there's nothing toxic about being a man. You know what? There's nothing toxic about being a man. There's nothing toxic about growing up and being a dad and being there for your kids. There's nothing toxic about getting up and going to work and paying bills and making sure your kids are dressed and making sure your kids have enough. I want to tell you, there's something powerful about men. There's something powerful about being a dad. Hey, and when you, if you got a daughter, you got a couple of daughters, you remind them there is nothing wrong about being a woman. Don't let the world tell you, well, you know what? They're just trying to convince them that they're not as good as a man. I want to tell you, you're completely different than a boy. You're completely different than a man, and that's okay. In fact, that's beautiful. You know one of the number one things I love about my wife? She ain't a man. Praise God. My wife is beautiful. My wife is passionate. My wife is strong. And my wife can do a thousand things I can't do. I want to tell you, thank God for women and mothers and fathers. You ought to affirm to your kids. Don't let the school district tell them any different. Don't let them change their identity. Don't let them try to educate them. In fact, mom and dad, this is why you got to keep your marriage strong. Because you need to teach your kids, staying married is good. Stay... The most healthy thing you could ever do for your kids is stay married to your spouse and work on your relationship. The most powerful thing you could, well, if I got them to an Ivy League school and if I, if I got them a nice car, if I got them an iPhone, that's not the best thing you could do for your kids. You could be broke, but if you got your marriage together and you got your family moving in the right direction and you are living for God, I want to tell you that's the best thing.
Kids can go without toys. Kids can go without iPhones. But they can't go without mom and dad working out the relationship. And they can't. I came to preach to everybody. Hey, because the world's trying to educate and the world's trying to indoctrinate. But there's got to be some moms and dads. There's got to be some church moms and dads. There's got to be an apostolic revival center in Carson City that educates these kids. You don't have to listen to that. Not everything the teacher tells you is true. Not everything your friends tell you is true. Not everything you read on Google is true. Not everything you see on TikTok is true. Not everything you watch on YouTube is true. You don't have to let the world educate and indoctrinate you. Well, everybody's smoking pot. It's legal now. That's called world education. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's good for you. Hey, I can legally buy gasoline, but that doesn't mean I'm going to drink it. There's a lot of things that are legal, but they're not good for you to ingest. and not good for you to, and the world, your friends will tell you, man, everybody's doing it. First off, that's a lie, because there's a whole group of people that aren't doing it. And your friends will tell you, well, it's just one hit, it's just one pill, it's just one party. And I know, well, well, maybe, maybe it's only, we should only talk about that when there's, when there's kids that are 18 years old. I went to my, I drank my first beer when I was 11. My parents threw the parties at our house. Amen. I want to tell you, and all my family, and all of the world, and all the school district, everybody's telling me there's nothing wrong with it. I want to tell you that is a lie. That is a lie. That is a lie. If somebody clap your hands and give God praise. I got to get through this here today. Finally, the devil wants to feed us with what the world offers. He will tempt you with things that you think you want right now. Amen. And the world is dangling shiny objects in front of kids and in front of young people, and they don't know the difference between a shiny object and a trap. You, can I preach to everybody? The, the biggest problem with a snare, the biggest problem with a trap is you don't know you're in it until you're in it, and it's too late. And the devil just dangle things in front of you. Can I preach to all the teenagers? It'll come in the form of a boyfriend or a girlfriend. But I want to tell you, you don't need that at 15. You need to get a job at Dairy Queen first. You know, you don't need no boyfriend or girlfriend. You need to be working on getting your driver's license. You need to be working on getting your college applications filled out. Hey, I may not be the most popular preacher on this Sunday, but I want to tell you I'm right, and the Word of God's right, and it's going to help somebody. Don't eat what the world's offering. Don't eat what the world's dangling in front of your face. Somebody needs to stand up with courage and say, not me, not my house. Let me just talk, and I, I feel to preach, but I feel to talk a little bit more. Young person, let me listen to, listen to me, every young person, when you go to school, they've got a purpose for you. And if nobody else tells you, Pastor Hood will tell you, they've got a purpose for you. Yes, they want to educate you. And, and listen, we've got some teachers, we've got some powerful teachers. We need more Christian teachers out there. Yeah, you may not make what the rocket scientists make, but you're making a difference, and there's a and that's powerful. And that's powerful. You may not make money, but you'll make a difference. And so we've got some teachers in the house of the Lord. But I want to tell you, not all teachers have your best interests at heart. You've got to love them. You've got to respect them. Don't misunderstand me here today. But I want to say, yes, they want to educate you, but they also are trying to indoctrinate you. Some of them, not all of them. Some of them want you to think the way they think. Some of them are coming from a broken paradigm. They want you to think the way they think. There's some of them that don't want you to be a Christian. There's some of them that don't, that, that, that don't want you, amen, to to uh, define yourself by God's word. Amen. There's some of them that want you to speak their language. There's some of them that want you to think according to their ideologies. Uh, there's some of them that want you to ingest their agenda. There's some of them that want you to make their agenda part of who you are. Amen. They want you to now define yourself by a subset group of society. But I've come to preach to everybody in the house of the Lord. Everybody say Daniel. Daniel purposed to do the opposite in his heart than what they were trying to teach him. 
Daniel made it up in his mind. Uh, amen. We're, we're not, I'm not going to allow, uh, amen, I'm not going to allow them to indoctrinate me. I'm not going to allow them to give me a new identity. Amen. Despite the Babylonian identity imposed upon him, I've never once read the book of Belt, Belteshar. Amen. We didn't quote out of the book of Belteshar. We read out of the book of Daniel. Surrounded by Babylonians, every day being called Belteshar, every day being called by his boss, being called by his friends, being called by the principal, being called by the teacher, being called by the school, Belteshar. I never read the book of Belteshar. I've only read to you today the book of Daniel. Because Daniel made it up in his mind, you can call me whatever you want to call me, but I'm not giving into a new identity. Uh, Daniel made it up in his mind. He determined in his heart. He got a resolve that said, uh, I'm going to stand firm on my spiritual beliefs. Uh, I'm going to hold to my convictions. Uh, I don't care what the consequences are. Uh, I refuse to buckle. I refuse to sit down under the weight of what the king thinks about me. Hallelujah. Let's stand across the building and clap our hands unto the Lord. Listen, all the young people, all the kids, listen to me. Because we're going to pray for all of the students here in a minute. And everybody else too. I got a question for all the parents so that you feel like I preached you a little bit. Where do you think Daniel learned all this? We just think Daniel's like a spiritual seven-year-old. Where do you think Daniel learned and got this level of grit to look at the king who just took him into slavery and say, I'm not eating that? Now, I know some kids like that. They, they don't care if the president, if it ain't chicken nuggets, I'm not eating it. There's some kids right now. If you are the pizza roll kid, I rebuke you. If all you eat is chicken nuggets and pizza rolls, the pastor rebukes you. I'm kidding. You need to try some shawarma. Praise God. You need you get some Thai curry, praise God. You need to try some different things. Hey, Amen. I've determined in my heart my kids are going to be bougie. They're going to have gluten-free pizza, praise God. But Daniel didn't learn this at school. Well, you know what? I'm going to send my kids off for eight hours a day to school and then wonder what's wrong with my kids when they get home. Hey, listen, not everybody can homeschool their kids. In fact, I don't think that is for everybody. But make sure when they're home, you're not giving them an iPad and an iPhone and saying, here, you just let somebody else already indoctrinated them for eight hours. You don't need to let YouTube indoctrinate them as well. If you've got to send them off to school, make sure you take them out on Saturday and, and tell them what thus saith the Lord. Make sure you take them to church on Sunday. Make sure you take them fishing. Make sure you explain to them, hey, listen, I know you're going to school and they don't live the way we live, but I want to tell you, God is good. God is great. There ain't nothing like Jesus. Can I get an amen from somebody out there? there ain't nothing like Jesus. If you got to send them to school, send them to school. But make sure when they get home, you do the Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. When you sit down, when you rise up, when you're walking through the house, you're saying, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You tell them about Jesus. You tell them about repentance. You tell them about baptism in Jesus' name. You tell them about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. You make sure you tell them about, amen, prayer, and make sure you pray with them. You tell them about the Bible, but don't just talk about it. Grab your Bible. Get it, the dust off the nightstand uh, and say, we're going to read a little bit out of the story of Daniel. So when you go to school tomorrow, you can make it up in your mind. I'm not smoking that. I'm not going there. I'm not talking like that. Get that out of my face. I'm not watching that. So for all the parents, your word here today is simple. Give them something to stand on. Give them a firm foundation to stand on. And I thank God for every parent and thank God for every church parent giving young people a, a, something to stand on, a firm foundation. Young people, listen to me for just a moment. We're going to pray for you. It is typical it is normal for you to seek to fit in with everybody else. Kids don't always want to look different. They want to fit in with everybody else. But there is a time where it's okay to stand out. When he was offered the king's table and all the rich foods, he had a chance 
to fit in. But I want to thank God for Daniel, who made it up in his mind, I am not going to defile myself. You know what the word defile means? He said, I'm not going to pollute myself. I want to tell you, just because your friend has an iPhone or an iPad and they want to sit down and watch a bunch of stuff, it doesn't mean it's good for you. And you might say, you know what? I'm actually not going to watch that because I don't want to pollute my brain. Desecrate soil or stain. You know, there's some things in life. Hey, you know what? Come to this party. You know, I've just, that's not for me. No, thank you. Daniel stood up when nobody else did. Notice, we know the names of Daniel, but very rarely does anybody know the other three names and all the other young men. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had got to forgive them, but they had accepted their Babylonian names. And you might go to school with another kid that goes to this church, and you see them doing something that you know they shouldn't do. That doesn't mean you go and give in the same way. You just be Daniel and say, well, I'm not going that direction. I'm not doing that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. At the beginning, they accepted their name. But I want to preach to everybody, your courage is contagious. Mom and dad, your courage to live for God is contagious. Hallelujah. Young person, your courage to live for Jesus is contagious to other young people. You read the rest of the book of Daniel, and there comes a day where the king makes a decree that all of the young people got to bow and all the people got to worship. And Daniel, because he stood all those years ago, Shadrach and Meshach, they might have sat down and not said anything. But all of a sudden when the music came and they saw everybody else bowing, I'm sure in the back of their mind they thought about the courage of Daniel. They saw Daniel get down, or they saw all these other people get down and bow. And they thought if Daniel can do it, we can do it. If Pastor Hood can do it in his high school and in his home with his family on drugs, and he can choose to live for Jesus, and my home life's crazy. If Pastor Hood can do it and his parents were abusive to him and he can get up and walk to church and find rides to church, I can get on the church van. If Pastor Hood can, I'm just using myself, you might be the example too, but if I had you, I'd use you. Amen. And you're thinking to yourself, when your friends are doing it, well, I see other people doing it, but I remember the story of that Sunday service where pastor talked about being courageous and I'm going to be cur- I'm going to be courageous today and I'm going to say no. And when everybody else bowed, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego said we're not bowing. Hey man, I want to preach to everybody, your courage is contagious. Let's lift up our hands. I I got a lot more I could say. Let's pray for just a moment. Come on, young people, I want you to pray with us. Maybe you're a little embarrassed at times because you don't know if you want to praise the Lord. You don't know if you want to lift up your hands. You don't know if you want to, because you don't see your friend do it. And I want to tell you, be courageous today. Amen. When we go to pray for you, I want you to pray and lift up your voice and talk to Jesus. Amen. And don't be afraid. Be courageous. In fact, I would like all of the students... Amen. All of the kids, if you're, in, if you're in high school and under college, it doesn't matter. I want you to come. We're going to have all the adults and the parents come afterwards. I want you to come. Come on. Come on. Come in close. Come in close. Come in close. There you go. There you go. And I want, I want some parents to join with their kids. I'd like some adults to come. Come on. Come on. Be courageous. Be courageous. Be courageous. We're going to pray for you. I want some parents to come as well. I like all the adults to come. In fact, everybody come gather. All the kids, they made their way to the front. I want all the adults to come. Come on. Come on. Don't be afraid of anything. I don't bite. It's going to be all right. Come on. Love you, man. Praise God. We love our kids. Amen. We're going to pray for each and every one of you. You might be a little too young to understand this, but 
every week us adults read a news article about crazy things happening in the schools. And I don't want to put ideas in anybody's head, so adults understand. There's just crazy things happening. And we want to pray for your safety. But we also understand there's a lot of things that are being presented to you that are not true. And we want to pray for you. Amen. And today we're going to pray that God would keep you safe, that God would keep your, you physically safe, but God would also keep your mind safe. God would keep your heart safe. Amen. We're going to pray for that. And then we're also going to pray that God would use you to, to be an example to somebody else. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. I want everybody, I'm going to have all the adults. I want you, I need everybody's help. You're all deputized to help. Okay. Amen. If it's your kids, I want you to lay hands on their shoulders and pray with them. Uh, but I want, I want us to pray for all of these kids. And we're going to pray a blessing over them. And we're going to pray the protection of God. But young people, I want you to lift up your hands and just talk to Jesus like you would talk to your friend. And say, Lord, I want you to help me, okay? I want you to pray that when I go to school, I pray help me to be courageous. Let's pray. Everybody pray. Lifting up your voice. I need some adults to help me go. Some young people, amen, they're a little older. If you can find somebody to pray with them. We're going to pray for you. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna ask that God would bless you. Lord, I'm praying right now for every one of these young people. I'm praying for every one of these students. God, that you would touch them, Lord. That God, when they go through the halls of those schools, that no evil thing would harm them. I'm praying right now for these kids, God, that, that nobody would be able to harm them, uh, that no ideology would be able to harm them. God, I pray for their mind today. I pray for their hearts, Jesus. Uh, I pray against all of those that would try to harm them, uh, harm their mind and harm their heart. Uh, I pray against it today, Lord. Uh, I'm praying, God, that you would help them, Lord. Amen. To live for you, Jesus, uh, that in the midst of those hallways, God, that whenever there's something that is trying to be pushed on them, that they would be reminded of this service and they would make it up in their minds, I will not go that direction. I will not be defiled at the king's meet. I will not live that way. I pray that you would give them the courage to live for you. In fact, we're going to pray. If you can, why don't you lay your hand over on the shoulder of the person next to you and pray for him and ask that God would bless them and ask that God would help them and ask that God would keep them in Jesus' name. And give you peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Come on, kids, that's it. Let's pray. Right now is a great opportunity. If you if you got struggles at home, I want you to pray for your home right now. Pray for your mom and dad. Pray that God would work things out. Pray that God would bring peace to your home.
adults to help us pray. upon you in a thousand generations your family your children the children the children may his presence go before Come on, that's you it. and behind you and beside you some of you are starting to feel the love of jesus some of you are starting to cry right now just lift up your hands and worship jesus just tell jesus i love you if you don't know what to say say hallelujah if you'll say hallelujah god will fill you with the holy ghost and the bible says you will begin to speak in other language amen as you receive the gift of the holy ghost
Come on, that's it. Let's keep praying for just a little bit longer. I believe the Holy Ghost is moving. If you need the Holy Ghost, you can have it right now. If you need God to touch your heart, he can do it right now. If you need God to heal your body, if you need God to touch your family, he can do it if you'll pray right now and you'll ask Jesus to do it. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. want to feel the Holy Ghost moving. There's some of you that are feeling the love of Jesus for the first time. I want to tell you, don't be afraid of that. That's God. That's God. Some of y'all are feeling like crying. That's okay. That's God. Some of you are getting happy for the first time. That's God. Thank you for the joy. Thank you for the peace. Thank you for the love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Young people, I want you to listen to me, okay? Anybody here 13? Anybody feel 13? Anybody 14? 14? 14? 14? 12? 12? Anybody 12? 11? All right, we got some 11-year-olds. Okay, cool. Oh, you're 12? All right, 12. So 12, 13, 14, all that age. I want to tell you, even younger, I'm, I'm just using this as an example. You can, make, you can make a difference. You can make a huge difference. You can make a difference in your school. You can make a difference at home. You can make a difference in your neighborhood, in your apartment complex. Do you know you can make a difference even on your parents? All the parents said amen. It makes a big difference, right? When they, when they listen, when you tell them to do something, man, that makes a huge difference. Praise God for that. Hey, listen, I was, I was, like I said, I was 13, 14 years old when I first started going to church. Let me tell you one of the ways you can make a difference. Keep coming to church. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Amen. In fact, uh, so many of you, we know you. We, you, you come week, on, week in and week out. We love you. We are so glad you came, and we are so grateful every time you come to church. But I want to tell you, when you come to church, you're going to learn about Jesus. And Jesus makes all the difference. Amen? And so when I was 14 years old, I had been going to church for maybe a year, if that. My dad, who was on drugs, and my mom, who was on drugs, my dad came in my room, and he said, I want what you have. I want what you have. I didn't know very much. I was, again, I was still young. But I, I did all that I could. I, I grabbed my Bible, and I turned to Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and I said, well, Dad, the Bible says you need to repent. That means to turn away from your sin and turn towards God. And I said, it says right here you got to be baptized in his name. That means you go under the water, and we say in Jesus' name, and we bring you back up. And I said, the Bible says you got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. 
And when you, when you get the Holy Ghost, the Bible says you'll speak in other tongues. That's another language. It's not something you made up. It's something God does. And my dad said, can I go to church with you? And hey, I didn't have a car. I was only 13, 14 years old. And I was finding rides. So I called the person that picked me up for church. I said, hey, do you got room for one more? Can you bring my dad as well? I took my dad to church on a Wednesday night. And we baptized him in Jesus' name. When you live for Jesus, when you have the courage like Daniel to stand, even when no one else in your family stands, when you make the courage to live for God, even when no one else in your family lives for God. Let me tell you one more thing. I grew up, again, I already told you, I'm not trying to go too much. I grew up in a really crazy home. Lots of cops, abuse, drugs, all that stuff, okay? My brothers, they were just like that. I went home. Uh, after a Wednesday night church service, and my brother lived in an apartment complex real close. And I said, hey, just drop me off at my brother's place. So I went to his apartment, and they were all partying. Everybody was drinking. It was not a good environment for me. And I remember sitting down while everybody's drinking and doing drugs, and I thought it was normal. Forgive me. That's how I grew up. I thought it was normal. I hope none of you have to endure any of that. I hope you have great homes. But I remember feeling Jesus speak to me, you don't belong here. And I stood up. I was only 13 years old. You can make a difference at 7. You can make a difference at 13. You can make a difference at 18. You don't have to wait to make a difference. I stood up, and I started walking towards the door. And my brother said, where are you going? I said, the Holy Ghost told me I don't belong here. And my brother said, you can't walk out by yourself. And he followed me out. Can you believe it? I brought that brother to church. I baptized my brother. He got the Holy Ghost. And he wasn't my younger brother. He was my older brother. You can make a difference on your mom, your dad, your big brother, your big sister. But here's the key. You have to stand up for Jesus. Which means when other people, how do, how do I do this? You know when your friends start cussing? I don't talk like that. You know when your friends are like, hey, we're going to go to this party? No, I don't do that. You know what else? What are you doing this weekend? I'm going to church. Do you want to go with me? I'm going to go to Sunday school. Do you want to come with me? And you bring them with you. You will make a difference just like Daniel. One more time. Would you lift up your hands? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. I thank you for all of these young people. Thank you for all of these kids. I thank you for all these adults and all of these parents as well. And God, I pray, Lord, that even while I was preaching to the young people and the kids, I pray that the adults got something out of this and that it blessed them. And I pray, Lord, that your word would continue to work in their hearts. And everything that I said, God, even, even 10 years from now, God, that you would, you would still remind them, God, of church and still remind them. And I pray, God, that you would bring them back to the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. Okay, first and foremost, we're getting ready to do backpacks. Everybody ready for a backpack? All right. We've got enough, so you don't need to fight or anything like that. But I want to say this. To all of our church folks, thank you so much for donating. All of the kids, listen, 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 listen for two more seconds. Maybe two seconds times a thousand, okay? All of the church made sure that you got a backpack today. We bought them and donated them because we love you. And we got all the school supplies. But I also want to say a great big thank you to Brother and Sister Rodriguez, who always head up this weekend. Let's give them a hand. I don't see him. She's already back there probably getting stuff ready. Okay, praise God. There's Brother Rodriguez. We love you. We appreciate you. Amen. Where's she at? Where? Am I blind? There she is. I'm sorry, sis. You know what? Sister Rodriguez loves kids so much, she just blends in with them. Amen. How many loves Sister Rodriguez? I also want to say thank you to uh, my wife and Sister Olivia who helped put all the backpacks together. And thank you to all those that showed up to make today a success. Thank you to all of the kids for coming and the parents for sending them. Amen. And so I want to tell all the kids some instructions and then we're going to send you, okay? We have coordinated all of our backpacks to be age-appropriate according to your grades. There's lots of cool ones, so you won't miss out. 
Um, at this time, we're going to dismiss all of our children ages 7 and under to line up along the two. Uh, go, oh, I'm sorry, Sister Perez. So if you are ages 7 and under, Sister, Sister Perez, ages 7 and under, you need to go towards Sister Perez. 7 and under, 7 and under, 70 and under. No, I'm kidding. 70 and under, 7 and under, 7 and under. Hold on, hold on. Seven and under to grab backpacks in that age group. I've got eight, eight and over getting backpacks, so don't worry. You're not missing out. Okay, seven and under towards Sister Perez. All the children, eight and over. Sister Melissa, would you raise your hand? Look at all these eight and over. Look at all these eight and over. Line up over here. Okay. All right, everybody lined up. Seven and under going that way. Eight and over going this way. All right. Okay. Everybody say, God bless our Sunday school kids. And God bless our Sunday school teachers. Everybody else, shake hands, be friendly, love one another.